Tom Colgan got his first taste of editing while working on his college yearbook and eventually the school's literary and humor publications. Those experiences, in Tom's own words, sounded like a fun way to make a living. His industry journey began immediately after college as an assistant to the publisher at Berkeley, which confirmed for him he wanted to be an editor. So began a career in which Tom has collaborated with and helped perfect the work of authors such as Clive Cussler, Ed McBain, and Tom Clancy, to the current generation of bestsellers like Mark Graney, Mark Cameron, and David Ricciardi, along with budding stars like Don Bentley and Joshua Hood. The most recent addition to the Tom Colgan stable of authors, the prolific Ted Bell and his brilliant Alexander Hawk series. For more than three decades, Tom has shepherded projects from concept to the bestseller list and beyond. His guiding principle that it is always about the author and their vision for a book has engendered a level of trust that goes well beyond the typical editor-author relationship and led to an extraordinary track record of success. Wherever you see Tom Colgan's name, you can be certain you are in for one hell of a ride. I'm Tom Colgan. I'm under pandemic uh, uh, quarantine, so my hair looks like the crazy person who should be screaming about the government talking to you through your molars. But what I'm really here to tell you is you should be watching the crew reviews. That's really worth your time. All right, gentlemen, let's welcome tonight's guest, executive editor of Penguin Putnam. Mr. Tom Colgan, let's raise hey, the hey. Welcome to you. Good to have you here. I got uh, scotch on my touchpad. That's mm. okay. I'll just lick it off. <laughs> That's okay. It's uh, alcohol. <laughs> It'll clean whatever germ is. It's from Max or made to like deal with That's right. <laughs> so Tom, let's let's start with the brass tacks. Most people have kind of a nebulous understanding of what an editor's job entails. Um, and it's usually always skewed by pop culture representations. So start off with the basics. So uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of what a day in the life of an editor looks like. All right. So my job is to find the manuscripts that we, we want to publish. And then um, once I buy them from the agent or the author, uh, to, to mold them in a way that, you know, work with the author to make them the best possible book they can be. Um, and then I'm the one person in the publishing house that's with the book from the very first day till the very last day. You know, other people will come in and out, the publicist will come in at the appropriate time, the marketer, all those people, and they do a great job. But I'm the only person who's there from beginning to end. And when I say end, I don't even mean like once the book is published. I mean, you know, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, well, hopefully if I'm still working there, you know, when it's a backlist title, I'm still the editor of record. I'm still the guy who people come to when they have questions, you know, when they want to put a new cover on a backlist book, I'm the one who goes back to the author and says, here's what we're thinking of doing. Um, so th that is my job. Um, I am not a copy editor. So the first thing people always say to me is, oh, you must be a good speller. And that is not necessarily <laughs> They don't say that about me. <laughs> no, there are other people who are paid to do that. So that is not my job. My job is, uh, uh, now they call it a developmental editor. I've never heard that. I had never heard that in my earlier career. But, uh, you know, uh, my job is to uh, work with the author to get the book to where we both want it to be. It's kind of like making um, great authors exceptional authors. Yes. Well, they make themselves exceptional. I'm just like a, uh, 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 the, 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 um, uh, the outside force that says to them, like, you know, you think you're saying this, but you're actually saying that. Right. 
Right. Huh. Uh, building on that and based on your experience, what are the skills, what skills are essential for any successful editor like yourself? Ooh, that is a good question. But mm. you guys are full of good questions. <laughs> We're um, full of something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think flexibility, you know, is the, the number one thing because um, both, all authors are different. They all work in different ways. And you can't be like, look, this is the only way to do this. There's no two ways to do it. There's, there's a million different ways. You know, there's a million different roads that lead to the end point, right? So you got to be able to go down whichever road that makes that, you know, works for that author. Um, uh, you have to really love what you're doing. You know, this is a real commitment. It's a real time commitment. You know, uh, it's, it's not just we, one of the first rules of editing is that you don't edit in the office. So when I'm in the office, I'm doing all the, you know, uh, ins and outs, all the, all the, the paperwork, all that stuff. I don't edit in the office. I don't do that until I come home at night. Wow. So that's really incredible. Oh yeah. No, so that, so that 40 hour work week is like out the window. <laughs> no, you, never, you never read in the office. Unless sometimes there's like some super special occasion. This manuscript came in right. and super hot. It's closing today. I'm going to close my door and read it for, you know, two hours during lunch or something. But we never sit around and read and edit in the office. Is it, it, Tom, is that just something uh, like you do or is that pretty much? That's something pretty much everybody. I mean, I can't swear that everybody. Right. right. So the other thing you got to understand about me is that I've always worked in commercial fiction. So the books that you love are the books that I love or the right. books that I work on, right? Right. The experience of, say, working on, um, you know, like one of the Pulitzer Prize winning authors or something, I think is not something I've ever had the experience of doing, you know, like literary right. fiction. So I can't swear that that's how they all operate. Um, but, you know, in our area, that is absolutely how, it roll, how we roll. Hmm. Yeah. During, during that process, the, the everyday process, um, mm -hmm. it, it, and I'm, I know there are exceptions to this, but have, it, it, does it ever get contentious? Like, I mean, in a way you're advocating for the book. Do, do you ever run into sort of pushback on things you feel strongly about, whether it comes to how it's marketed, whether it comes to, and, and again, I know you always defer to the marketers, but as far as their expertise, but has it ever, have you ever had that experience where something came up and you're like, oh, I really just don't agree with this approach? Um, yeah, sure. But, you know, we usually uh, never contentious. Right. I mean, um, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, I've said like, gee, I don't really be like this cover. That's not really the cover I like. I mean, I think this other cover might work better. Or, you know, um, you're gonna, you know, do this particular marketing thing. I don't know. I, I don't think that, you know, is really probably the best use of his time or whatever. Um, but, it's never contentious. It's always a, a discussion. And sometimes my side of the argument wins and sometimes my side of the argument loses. Um, frequently I'm wrong about things. I mean, hmm. certainly covers, you know, I have a, a vision of covers and then, you know, I think like, ah, they're not gonna be able to pull this off. And then they do something that I never expected. And I'm like, wow, that's why yeah. they're correct. Like, so, like wow. make one minute out orange like, like a nice bright orange <laughs> i had that whole summer of orange where i had that and i had a couple other books that were all orange but it, they look good one minute it out. does it yeah. does look good yes 
Your, uh, your storied career spans um, some of the most important and influential authors in thriller genre. Yeah. Tom Clancy. I don't know about story, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> we say story. We say yeah, it, it on. Those are our words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're true. Um, yeah. Clive Costner, um, what, Ed McBain. Um, yeah, sure. Obviously, Mark Graney, you know. Salva- who, Salvatore Lombino was his real name. No kidding. Oh, cool. I, know, I didn't know that. Yes. So, he, went by, he went by Evan Hunter. That was his first pseudonym. Oh. His real first name when he was born was Salvatore Lombino. He told me that. Uh, I think we were at um, BEA or ABA, it was called at the time. Yeah. He's, you know what my real name is? Salvatore Lombino. And I was like, wow. Jeez. <laughs> I that. A big leap from Ed McBain. Yeah. <laughs> kind of has a good ring to it, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, that's that's a really right. good question. Yeah. Um, you know, with those names in mind, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever been able to narrow down or to divine what that it factor is for novelists reaching the New York Times and other bestseller lists? No, nobody does. You know, it's just, I mean, you, you know, you just know it when you read it, right? You right. know, um, uh, you know, I, I think of someone like Jack Higgins, and I'm bringing this up straight, sort of out of left field, not that I ever really worked that much with Jack Higgins, but, you know, he, you know, he wrote, you know, The Eagle Has Landed, and, you mm-hmm. know, all those books, and, you know, his more recent books, and then one time his uh, agent said, oh, you know, he wrote a whole bunch of, like, um, cop stories, um, like, way back in the 60s, and, and, I don't know if like you'd be interested in them because they're literally like like cheap police procedurals that he wrote like in the sixties in set in London, hmm. and they were amazing. They were amazing. Oh, wow. You know, you just read them and you're like, wow. You just see that this guy he could have written, you know, Mary had a little lamb, and you would have been like, whoa, what's going to happen with the lamb? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean. They just have it, right? They just have it. And I can't, if I could tell you what it was, I would just tell my author, I'd say to my authors, look, this is what you have to do. Yeah. But nobody knows, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a combination of talent, hard work, inventiveness, you know, it's like a whole brew of all these things. Sure. You know it when you see it though. Yeah. Read it. Yeah. Yeah. You do too. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I, we talk about some of the, some of these fantastic authors and we read their stuff and uh, it, it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I've quit so many times this week already. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Son of oh, a- I, I read, I read yeah, the first Jack Carr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it. Well, I read the first novella um, in Don Winslow's collection the other day mm-hmm. and I, I put it down and I texted those guys. I'm like, I'm quitting, dude. I'm just <laughs> This is, but then my, then my son, um, who's a college football player at Eastern Michigan, he said, dad, it's just like me watching Jalen Smith. We play the same game, but we don't play the same game. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I thought, man, thank you. That's, that's you're right. You're right. That, that's good. I summer. feel a little better now. <laughs> so I'll enjoy my small college careers. And other. <laughs> but, um, so Mike kind of summarized some of the people you, you've worked with, um, but give me an author living or dead who you would have liked to have worked with if for no other reason than to see their process up close? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, hmm. 
I have several choices. I'm going I'm to go with Lee Child. Ah. Um, I, I did sort of work with Lee. I was his paperback editor, but I wasn't involved in the editorial side of it. It was really just the packaging side. Um, and he is a really super nice guy. I've met him many times and really enjoyed talking to him. And he is my favorite um, thriller writer. Um, I don't know. I used to say my favorite thriller writer writing today. I don't know whether you can say that right now, but you know, <laughs> right. he is yeah. still sort of writing, you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, I think Lee is a, he's a fascinating guy. It's a fascinating character. And uh, what he does with him is just really interesting. He's had like, I think several, um, uh, 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 Reacher has gone through several, uh, the books have gone through several passages. Like mm -hmm. there was the early period, then there was sort of a middle period, and then there was the end period where I feel like he reinvented him. Even though it doesn't, it, on the surface, it doesn't seem that way, but when you dig a little deeper, you can see it's a little bit different. Hmm. Well, I think it absolutely seems that way. I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Is well, that just growth of an author, of an author, or is that, do you think that's a conscious effort? Um, well, you know, I think you'd really have to ask him that. And, and I can't answer specifically because I wasn't involved in them. Um, but authors, you know, good authors grow, you know, sure. I mean, uh, hopefully we'll talk about Mark Rainey later, but one of the things about Mark is that, you know, he does grow from book to book. It's not, you know, it would be very easy to hit the times list and be like, okay, great. Now I'm just going to crank out the next book will just change the setting, different characters, blah, 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 and here we go. And he won't do that. Sure. Know? Kind of as a follow-up to that, you with all the writers you work with, do you see more similarities in how they work or more differences? You mean their process, how they yeah. work? Oh, differences, totally different. You know, hmm. I mean, it's astounding to me how, like we said before, how many different paths there are to the end point. Uh, it's unbelievable to me, like how different, you know, different people work. You know, some people, I, I'm not a writer. So um, I have always thought that if I ever did write, I would just be like, okay, I'll start on page one and end on page 325. Um, but, you know, I've had authors through the years who, jumped around authors who said like, okay, I'm going to have like six big set pieces. So I'm going to write them and then fill in parts in between. I've had authors who like wrote the beginning and wrote the end. I had author, I have one author and I, I, I could name them because I don't think he'd be upset about this, but um, Raymond Benson, I worked with him a long time ago on the James Bond books. And then he wrote the um, Splinter Cell books for us. Um, and he writes these huge outlines. I mean, they're really honest to God. They're like, 50, 60 pages long. And I'm like, you know, Raymond, all you gotta do is add the dialogue and you've got a whole book. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then other people, I, I've had authors, I had authors, Sue Henry years ago who wrote mysteries and she would tell you flat out, I set it up at the beginning and I have no idea when I start writing who the murderer is, or where it's going. Wow. I just, plow, I just go into it and, you know, by the time I get to the end, you know, I've figured it out. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, there's no, there's no simple answer to that. Right. But yeah, everybody's got a different path. We had CJ Tudor on and she was one of those. And she said, she literally has no idea. She just, she has a vague idea where she's starting. And I asked her if she'd ever gotten really far into her book. And it, 
you know, turned out to not work and she had to scrap it. So far she has it, but that would be my fear. I, mm-hmm. I, would, <laughs> I would be scared to death that I'd- 50,000 words in. You know, yeah, yeah I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that that's probably true of any author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even authors who don't um, uh, outline, or I mean, I think any author can find themselves, even if they outline or whatever, can find themselves, you know, a quarter of the way in, halfway in, or three quarters of the way in and say like, you know, this isn't working. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's probably less likely if you're really, a, you know, a, a religious outliner, but it's still possible. Yep. Sure. Speaking of religious outliners, Kyle Mills writes 30,000 word outlines. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No Actually, I thought it was more than that even. It might. Uh, well, I think it was close to 50, but then he, yeah. he, he does he does all the set pieces and then he fills it in after that. And, and he, you know, yeah. he'll jump to like chapter around. 36 and then nine i was like I, I wouldn't be able to keep all that in my head straight uh, <laughs> no oh that's crazy my add would kill me <laughs> <laughs> tom uh plot driven or character driven in your opinion what's the most important aspect of an effective thriller writer plot driven i don't think there's any question the character has to be true. You got to be true to the character, especially if you have like a long running character, you know, um, you got to be true to the character. Um, and you, you set up your world and you have to be true to that. You can't pull something, a rabbit out of a hat, you know, uh, somewhere along the line because it's easier for you to, you know, just decide like, Oh, um, you know, suddenly, you know, he's going to have me at point blank range and he's just going to miss me or something. (laughs) So, um, uh, yeah, but I think truly effective thrillers are are about really effective plots. Hmm. We kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Um, For the novice author, uh, you know, starting on the publishing road, uh, can you explain the difference or or can you explain the process uh, once an editor receives the manuscript from the agent? Okay, so the agent usually contacts me, sends me an email, calls me, and says, "Hey, I have this manuscript. I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, you, would you, you know, he, and, and gives you like a sort of brief, like, you know, it's about this, that, and the other thing." Um, sometimes they'll compare it. They'll say, "Well, it's like you know, um, Lee Child, as if Lee Child wrote." Little House on the Prairie, which I would love to read. Give <laughs> awesome. me that book. I'd That's a bestseller. <laughs> Writing this down. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, so anyway, so uh, then you know, I say like, great, love to read it. They send it to me, uh, and then uh, hopefully I can get to it like right away. Usually I can't, but. Um, then we, you know, I read it. Uh, if I like it, you know, I'll go to editorial meeting on Tuesday and say, hey, I read this book this weekend. I really liked it. Here's what I think about it, blah, blah, blah. Maybe some other people will read it. I mean, honestly, now um, in my place in Berkeley, um, kind of if I really, if it's my kind of book and I really like it, they don't usually ask for other readings, but um, but then I gotta, you know, then there's a, a, then there's a process I have to go through. I can't just say like, Hey, I really like this book. I want to buy it. I have to come up with comp titles. I have to say, okay, I think this would be like, um, David Ricciardi's first book, uh, 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 black, um, I forgot David Ricciardi's first book. Black flag. Morning light. Morning light. Oh, morning light. You know, 
So I'm going to be, I'm going to run some numbers based on warning light. And then I got to go to my boss and say, okay, here's the numbers. Here's the, you know, here's what I think the book is worth. Then I got to go back to the agent and say like, I want to talk to the author because I want to make sure the author and I are on the same wavelength. Um, you know, maybe there's some part of the book that I feel like, you know, would be a little bit better if, I don't know, this whole second part that takes place in, I don't know, New Guinea took place in, I don't know what, you know, uh, yeah. Nigeria. London, yeah. yeah. I mean, I usually wouldn't get that specific. That's kind of jerky, but, you know, I'm just saying that there might be part of it that I'm like, you know, uh, I want to talk to the author about. And I also want to get a feel for the author to see if it's someone who's like, oh, cool, I'd love to collaborate on, you know, uh, you know, almost almost always, I've, I've really rarely ever dealt with authors who are like, no, it's not, I'm not changing anything. I really like it the way it is. <laughs> Jeez. But it's good to know that, you know, listen, it's your book. It's not my book. It's your book. Even yeah. after I buy it, it's still your name on it, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's good to know from the get-go that, you know, this is the way we're going to be. You know, it doesn't even mean I'm not going to buy it. It just means I want to know, like, you know, where we stand with it. Sure. Um, and then we go back to the, then it's a matter of like, you know, talking to the agent about how much the book is worth. A good agent will never take that first offer. A good agent will be like, yeah, you know, I think you can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have an agent for. You know? Right. Get the bartering going. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine any author coming back to Tom and just going, "No, nah, sure. your idea sure sucks." They push back. Yeah, push back on you yeah, completely. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, no G five, no deal. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, new authors. You know, usually someone like that who's like brand new probably won't. But you know, authors I've dealt with for a while. You know, I've had a couple of books with. Will you know absolutely be. I mean, Mark Rainey and I don't agree on everything, and you know that's okay. I mean, that's what that's what the discussion is about. Yeah, right. right I'm just right. presenting options. I'm just presenting. Um, I don't want. Well, you have other questions, but you know, the only the thing I always say to authors is, what makes me a better editor of your book than than you is that I'm not you, because right. you know, you write something and you think like, okay, this is clear as glass, and I'm the first person to come in and say like no, I don't understand what you're talking about here. Mm. You know, are you saying this guy's mad at that guy? Or are you saying that he's upset? I don't understand what's happening here. Right. And 90% of the time, you know, the, the author will be like, oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. then sometimes I'm like, no, I really like it that way. Okay, it's your book. Yeah. Your book, All right. Well, and then the other aspect of that is it's in your head so much as a writer that, you go through this, you edit something out or something, and then you don't realize that the reasoning behind something is no longer on the page. Exactly. And the editor's like, why the hell did he do that? Well, it's because of... Oh, it's oh right. You know, the last time around, yeah. That happened yeah. Time, yeah. Can't see the forest anymore. Yeah, that, gotcha. That's happened to me a few times. And I just... Yep. Yeah, I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Feel really dumb. Uh, listen, I, you know, all the time, you know, just uh, like write a tweet or write a... Uh, an email or something and I'll get a response back that's totally unexpected. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> um, what, you know, oh, and then, and then when I see what they're I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess you could read it that way. I didn't see yeah. it, but so that's all it is. Sure. 
Just common editing is common sense. That's all it is. <laughs> I think it's more than that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're screwed in this show. <laughs> so every reader has um, particular taste. We all have our particular taste, and editors mm-hmm. are no different. What element, and this is a probably an unanswerable question, but what elements are on your internal checklist when you're deciding whether or not you're going to work on a manuscript? Interesting. That is another good question. Okay, so the first, there's two, the first rule of editing, I learned this, well, there's three rules of editing. The first rule of editing, on my first day, my boss said to me, we don't read in the office, as I told you before. The second rule of editing is, uh, it's not my book, it's your book. So even though we've had these discussions, you know, ultimately, you're the boss, you know, unless it's something so egregious that we can't publish it, you know, but, you know, that's, in 35 years, that's never happened. Um, and then the, the third rule, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> internal check. Kind of an internal oh, check. Yes. <laughs> Take your medicine. Yeah. <laughs> my medicine, that all the I remember. <laughs> so the third rule, I, I do remember this. This is also the first day is, uh, I'm not here to buy books that I like. I'm here to buy books that will sell. Now, fortunately in my career, those two things have matched up, right? So I've been very lucky to be able to buy books that I really like. But I've known people who got into a part of the business that, you know, was not really their personal favorite, but they were really good at, you know, doing science fiction or they were really good at doing mysteries or really good at doing romance. So they just rolled with it. So I do like these books, but when it comes to, you know, um, Thinking of, so, so I'm biased because I like them to begin with, but what I don't like is stereotypes. Like I don't like stuff I've seen before. And I actually watched um, earlier today, I'd seen it before, but your interview with uh, Don Bentley. And Don said, um, somebody smart said that um, what readers want is the same but different. And I think I'm the person who said that to him. I'm not taking credit because you know, somebody smart said it. But that is a line that I've used before because they don't want uh, something, usually they don't want something completely out of left field. They right. want something that they're familiar with, but told in a different way. Right. And, um, you know, uh, that's why I, sh- I, I shy away from things that are like, you know, a serial killer's loose and detective, you know, Mac Morgan bent, breaks the rules all the time and he's the guy who can, you know, you know I'm like, okay, well, we've seen that 500,000 times before. Right. I don't want to see that again. Right. You know, so, uh, so that's, so my internal checklist is always looking for something familiar, but told in a very different way. That was a long way to get to that one. That was the answer <laughs> to the question. <laughs> But we got there. <laughs> this one might be a little bit quicker. So when you go, when you when you leave the office and you got your bag filled mm-hmm. with manuscripts, well, probably not anymore because it's anymore. on your computer, right? <laughs> but uh, but but when you get home and you start reading those those mm-hmm. submissions from the agents, how many pages in before you go no or you go yes? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it depends. You know, usually, you know, my my internal rule is like I want to give them fifty pages to see where it's going, you know. Um, uh, when they're from an agent, they're usually good enough that, you know, 
you're not, you know, we don't get as much what we call slush as we used to. Slush was stuff that came in, as they said, over the transom. I'm so old, they called it over the transom. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that stuff, I mean, seriously, you could read like five pages and just be like, no, no. Because, you know, it, it would start off with, you know, two characters and one turns the other and says, well, as you know, we're here because, you know, this whole event, all these events happen. And you're like, no, no, wait a minute, stop. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right that's there. the whole book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. um, but probably about 50 pages, I think, to give it a fair shake. But usually, you know, there's a, there's a zest to really good books that you can just, you know, you know, too. Yeah, you can you see it. Feel for when you get started that you're like, wow, this is really going somewhere. Yeah. A quick follow-up on that. Have, keeping your 50-page rule in mind, have you ever gotten like 30 pages in and it, you know, just like you're, you're ready to quit and then 30 page 31 through 50, you're like, now he's hitting it. Now he's hitting yeah, it. Sure. Just, yeah. But it's not, but you know, first of all, it's not a rule. I'm not. Right. <laughs> no, right, right. I'm done, man. We're going to hold you to it, Tom. I don't care what happens. You know? <laughs> I'm only going through the book of Genesis. By the time they get to Exodus, I don't care. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, definitely, you know, people, uh, especially new authors, sometimes have trouble getting started, you know, and then it gets really. But, you know, there's something about a good author. You can just, you can tell from the dialogue, you can tell, you know, there's just something there. And, you know, you just have to really, you could almost read like just a couple of pages and be like, okay, this one's worth going on with. This one probably is not. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's actually pretty, more self-evident than you think. Got it. Have you ever been approached to write a book on editing? No. I've never been a pro. I wouldn't even. Let's think. let's do it right now. No, I would never, <laughs> would never in a million years occur to me that. And first of all, why would anyone want to read a book on editing? Second of all, I just I couldn't even imagine. No. All right. Boring. I heard you say in interviews uh, or and read that you said that most people get into publishing because they love to read, and you get in this business because yeah. you love to read, and then ironically you have zero time to read anything. Things <laughs> you have to read. Um, so you miss a lot of books. Yep. Wow. Is there a particular title or series that's kind of on your to-be-read pile, whether that's in five years, ten years, or next month? Um, hmm. That's a good question. It's not that I haven't read, like, any, say, David Baldacci. I have, but, you know, I haven't read as much of him as I'd like. I'd like to read a lot more of his books. Um, I'd like to read more... Um, Actually, you know what? You want to know a series that I've never read that I keep hearing about is that uh, the Flashman series by George McDonald Frazier. Is that is that? I haven't read it. I haven't read it. No, maybe. Um, it's a sort of like uh, you know Bernard Cornwell writes the Sharp series. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of like that, but it's supposedly um, not supposedly. It's 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 very witty and funny, and uh, I, I haven't. I've never read any of them, but I've heard uh, great things about him. He wrote, you know how, why he's in my mind, he wrote the screenplay for um, The Three Musketeers, the the 70s one, the Richard Lester one that was so funny. Yeah. 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 That was a really good one. Yeah. So the so the Flashman books are supposed to be sort of he was hired to do that because he wrote the Flashman books, which are very much of that sort of ilk. So yes, that's what that's my choice right there. 
I like that. I wrote that one down. It's kind of, it's like um, you you get into this business because you love to read and then you're reading all these manuscripts and all this stuff and you really don't get a chance to read. um, For entertainment. That that everyone, like everyone is talking about Savage Son. I would love to read Savage Son. I don't have time to read it now. Right, right. Well, I got to be honest, in a very small way, we've experienced that with the show because we don't want to have an author on who we haven't read. Yeah. So yeah. we had all of a sudden I had all this assigned reading in addition to the stuff we want to read, in addition to the fact that we really shouldn't be reading that much. We should be writing. Uh, and so, so my, you know, I have a bunch of, and then we get free books sent to us all of a sudden, which is a nice thing, but my stack's really big now. And yeah. I never thought in a million years that that oh would gosh. be a problem in my life. <laughs> and you know what makes it even worse is that I sit in that editorial meeting every Tuesday and all these other people bring in books. And even though they're not, you know, most of the um, other, none, none of the other editors in, in my house um, do the thrillers that we like, but they bring up all these other books that I'm like, man, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'd really like to read that. And, you know, I just don't have the time. Yeah. And I'm not like a, I don't listen to audible books or, I mean, I, I would, I don't have anything against it. I just, I, I, it's just not my thing. You know? I still haven't gotten into it. Yeah. I can't focus. Um, yeah. Same. I'll be doing other things. I'm multitasking and, and then I'm not hearing the book and then I have no <laughs> yeah. idea what's going on. But Tom, were there any manuscripts or uh, authors who came across your desk uh, who fall into that, the one that got away category that you wish you could just get back? Oh, sure. Um, I think I put them out of my mind, though. Um, <laughs> PTSD. Um, uh, who have I read that other people? I mean, I, I always go back to the, the, this is a crazy one to go back to, but, um, oh, I know one. I know a really good one. Um, this was um, one of the very first books I ever read as an, I was an assistant. And uh, so back in the days when I was an assistant, like in the mid eighties, um, it was much more common for a paperback house to reprint hardcovers from another house. So, you know, now everybody does the hard soft together, you know, um, but in those days, like you might work at Berkeley and um, Putnam was part of, you know, your hardcover house, but you would buy a book from Simon Schuster and do a reprint of it, you know? That doesn't really happen anymore. But one of the very first books I read uh, was Tourist Season by Carl Hyacin. And uh, I went to, it was the very first editorial meeting I ever went to, and I said, and I was like a kid, I had been there just a couple of months, and I said, holy smokes, this is one of the best books I've ever read. It's great, it's exciting, it's funny, it's all this stuff. And they all kind of looked at me like, wait, where did you come from? Like, how, how long have you been here? <laughs> you know, uh, and they're like, nah, don't bother. And it turned out to be obviously a huge success, but I always regretted that because I, I just thought that book was phenomenal. And he is a phenomenal writer. Well, you weren't in a position to fight for that yeah. probably just Oh, yet, I was so. a kid. I was, I was like the lowest on the totem pole. They were nice good instinct though, right? Good instinct. You had yeah. a good instinct for it. That's good. Yeah. How many times have you shot that kid down since? <laughs> I don't know. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Now I'm the guy saying like, yeah, shut yeah. up. Yeah, shut up, kid. Do you have any predictions if the publishing industry is going to experience any uh, permanent or fundamental shifts in the way it conducts business, you know, as it relates to the effects of the pandemic? Ooh, 
that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, one of the things that we're so concerned about is the health of the whole book ecosphere, right? Right, right. Very concerned about, um, uh, especially the, the independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penguin Random House. I, I will boast about this because it was great that we did it, uh, but they extended the uh, payment, you know, to the independent stores. Right. I think 90 days. It used to be like, you know, 60 to 90 days that they had 30 to 60. I don't know whether, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we gave them an additional 90 days to pay. Oh, wow. Oh, um, that's so, huge. Yeah, it was, you know, corporately. But, you know, they, you know, we feel that it's very important that we try to keep these places afloat, right? Sure. So um, I don't know the answer. I know I've been flooded with, you know, manuscripts about pandemics and, you know, thrillers about pandemics. And, you know, everyone who wrote one about, a, you know, a, 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 you know a, vi- a flu or a virus or something has gotten that out of their drawer and now is like <laughs> it back out again. Um, and I don't, you know, my... In- gut response is who the hell wants to read that but uh, maybe i'm wrong you know i just right. I, it seems too you know uh, real now but again if you bought it now you wouldn't publish it for a year so yeah, maybe sure year, people would be really into that in the i, I don't know the hopefully the industry won't change that much because i really like it the way it is yeah um but who, who can say you do you know, think right? there'll be more uh consolidation well, I mean, Simon & Schuster is, is supposedly on the block, right? I mean, that's right. what they said. Right. So um, I guess they'll be consolidated somewhere. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I don't, you know, there's bigger, the people above me in the uh, uh, stratosphere of Penguin Random House who worry about that stuff. I'm just worried about, like, reading a manuscript tonight <laughs> and my copy in by tomorrow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, in answer to your comment about uh, why people would want to read that, I think at least in the thriller genre, forget horror, that's a whole different animal, but thriller genre, we usually solve it. We usually get out of it. I think maybe people will be like, hey, see, there's lightning in the tunnel. Maybe yeah. I'll fix it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, revisiting your criteria for new authors or people you want to work with, how important is it that a submission be the first in a series rather than a standalone? That's a good question. Um, I I think it doesn't have to necessarily be set up as a series. Uh, we would probably prefer that you think that you'd be open to it being a series. So people have sent me stuff that they just wrote a book. And then I've gone back to them and said, well, you know, honestly, it's more commercial in this category to write a series. So could you see yourself writing a second or third book? And then we talk about what that might be. And then maybe they go away for a couple of days and then come back and say, like, okay, I thought about it. And I have this idea for a second book. Um, yeah. When it comes to thrillers, the, the commercial viability is really in series, you know, series characters. Yeah. When you, when you, uh, when you get that Mark Graney uh, manuscript and it's, you know, a hundred thousand or plus words. That's the opening. That's the opening. Chapter one. Prologue. Prologue. <laughs> I mean, just you grab red metal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, how many hours does Tom spend in uh, the editing process of oh, it's easy it down? Mark, uh, come on, reading Mark Crane is the easiest thing in the world. It really yeah. is, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Mark, um, He's a super serious writer and, you know, he is always open to discussion 
and he's always open to, you know, he'll send it and be like, look, I know it's too long and I already have a plan for like cutting it down, but like I need, you know. I love that. Um, so it's, but it, it, I mean, Sean, you're, I know you're a big Mark Rainey fan, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, you can imagine it's not hard to read a Mark Rainey book. No, oh, no, not at all. And, uh, you know, that's all I do is I just don't, you know, I'm not, you know, I really am about plot. That's just me. That's the way I'm built. So it, it, I, I, I don't get like hung up on like, you know, I mean, I do, I mean, I understand the character and I, if the character acts strangely, like I'll say something, but it's really, you know, I, I can see how the plot develops and how the plot goes through. And, and that's the part that I'm really, you know, interested in. Mm. So, I mean, it usually takes me like a, two days or something to get through, you know, the first draft of Mark's book. Um, and then we, you know, talk about, it. he'll probably say, no, it takes two weeks. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I think for days we need to hear from them. Didn't, you have to, didn't you have to fly down to his house one time? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did fly down. It had nothing to do with that. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm always happy to go down and see Mark. But, but you know, let, let me go back to, it's, let me say this. So, so, you know, one minute out was first person. Right. And um, that's a perfect example about the way Mark works. Like he had wanted to write a first person book. I mean, I know he was on the show talking about it. Yeah. He wanted to write a first person book for a long time. You know, I was like, I don't know, you know, it's very different than writing, you know, what you write. Yeah. Like, no, I want to try it. And he sent in, um, uh, he sent in the first, I don't know, two chapters, three chapters or something. Um, and I said, wow this is not the voice that, you know, I pictured for uh, court. And, you know, he was totally within his rights to have said, well, who cares what you pictured? This is my character, you know? <laughs> he said, no, no, I'll go back and do it. He did it again. And I was like, ah, it's almost there. But, you know, here's the part that, you know, I think doesn't work. It doesn't feel right, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he just totally was like, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, and he went back and, and rewrote it a third time. And that time was great. And now, you know, everybody loves it. Now, we're not, I'm not telling you this to say, like, I'm a genius and I figured this out. Hmm. I'm telling you that, you know, he is a New York Times bestselling author. This is his 10th book. And he was 100% within his rights to, at any point in that conversation, say, like, no, I'm calling time out. I want it this way. And sure. he did. And, you know, it worked out great. So want to put the best product you can well, when there's that trust when there's that trust yeah. he knows you have his best interest at heart too and sure of course you're not um, just like trying to I, I i don't you know i feel like you know we had that on the first book too i don't think that that's you know yeah i mean you could say that after 10 years for sure but you know i think on the first book he was you know i mean or look at don bentley you know um this was his my first book with him was without sanction last year and uh you know, I mean, there were things in it that I was like, I don't know, I think, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, he trusted me to, you know, get what he was getting at. Yeah. Well, authors get hate mail. (laughs) 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 Or you get these weird reviews on Amazon that have nothing to do with your writing, the deliveries late or something. The book came two days late. Yeah, so so your book gets a one star. Um, Do editors get hate mail? Um, not so much, uh, because nobody knows who we are, first of all. <laughs> and that like, you know, so I, so 
I mean, no, this is probably the scotch talking. I'm going to get myself in trouble for this. <laughs> this is the best part if of the interview. Look at the book, if you look at the back flap of the book, you'll see, you know, cover by Joe Blow, you know. Sometimes uh-huh. you'll see, like, text design by, you know, oh, yeah. Smith or something. And you're like, well, we could put the art director on it. You could put, why, you know, why is my name not go on it? But that's okay. I can live with that, you know. <laughs> um, no, we don't usually get hate mail. We, the, I will tell you this, and I, I say this advisedly, knowing the people who watch the show, and I am, I'm just telling you, it is a simple fact. The one thing that will get you more hate mail than anything is a mistake with a gun. It is unbelievable mm-hmm. the way they respond to mistakes with guns. It's crazy. It is all out of proportion. You know, you, you know, you deliberately did this or so, you know, I, I've gotten many of those letters over the years Yeah, and it, I don't understand what, what it is, but it, of, it really riles people up. A lot of so-called experts. That's for sure. Oh. Well, I mean, a lot of, you know, sometimes it is a legit mistake, but you know, if you said this, is a nine millimeter instead of a 38 caliber or something? Well, that's a pretty big mistake, but I'm just saying, you know, something. Sure, sure. You know, 16 instead of 15 or something in the clip, you know, uh, you get these crazy letters that are, <laughs> you know. Like, it's a work of fiction. Just yeah, go with it. All made yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, we'll fix it. Don't worry. <laughs> or or didn't uh, uh, Mark and, uh, and Rip Put afterburners on the afterburners oh on the A10. Afterburners yeah. on the A10. Oh my gosh! I never heard the end of that. <laughs> they talk about it. They perpetuate I know, that. I, I think well, they realize. I that think was Rip's a big the one. one who really like takes that one hard. Yeah, deeply to heart. But you know what? It, it, it's there. It's there. It's all our faults because you know I should have realized it. The copy editor should have realized it. The proofreader should have realized. It. I mean, there were a million people who let that go, and you know, whatever. That's a hell of a book, man. It is a hell of a book. And there's a second one coming. I know. That was my favorite book of 2019. Was it really? Yes, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job on that. Absolutely great job. Well, Tom, uh, you actually survived the main portion of the interview. I don't know how he did that. Survived it. I don't know if it felt like a decade to you or if it felt like (laughs) it was like that. He's had two birthdays. But let's, are, toast, let's toast to him for this is called the lightning round although we were really really hoping to call it the bullet round after bullet bourbon um, at some point <laughs> we'll keep trying car on that he'll get your sponsorship from bullet that's, bourbon that's what we're working on that's what we're working on oh the 10 years my favorite but you know the drill you've seen the show yes. not much thought into the question so <laughs> well that's okay because i haven't given much thought to these other questions so this one's a very personal question what is, <laughs> what is the significance of the number 14 in tom colgan 14 oh my my birthday is april 14th i have there you go i'm may 13th yeah. so <laughs> i have 13 all over my stuff too <laughs> Darn it, I was hoping it was something much more dark and secret. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sign of the beast or something. We, we like to break news on this show. I was Carved in his head, yeah. I was 14 and I killed a man with a trident. <laughs> um, really? With a trident? Wow. The trident? Is that what you said? Aquaman. <laughs> <Like a> banker man. <laughs> All right. Number two, what is your favorite holiday and why? What is my favorite holiday and why? Um, I would say it's actually Halloween, not because of the, the 
trick-or-treating or the dressing up part. I just absolutely love the fall and I love October. And uh, so I, I, I do like sitting, we have a porch. I love sitting out on the porch and giving out candy to kids as they come by. Whoa, back that up. That sounds creepy. I know what you mean. It's a blast. It's, it's, look at that editing. It's a lot more fun to go from that stage of taking your kids to every house than sitting on the house yeah. and giving out yeah. candy. It's so much yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Um, last question. As our resident expert on the species, who is the better penguin, Burgess Meredith or Danny DeVito? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. I'd have to say Danny DeVito because um, I was never into the campy one. I really just was not. Even as a kid, I didn't really love the uh, the campy uh, uh, Batman, except when Robin was eaten by a giant clam. I, that one freaked <laughs> me out as a kid. Freaked me the hell out. Well, it was a trick question because the answer is the penguins on a, the Madagascar cartoon. They were, yeah. they were superior penguins. <laughs> we'll accept Dan DeVito. Okay. Tom, what life advice would you give to your 18-year-old self if you could? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, my life turned out perfect. So, I mean, I can't really – couldn't <laughs> Cheers. happy with where I am and beautiful. what I'm doing, except for this moment. But, you know, in general. <laughs> Listen, in, in 30 years, you're going to go on the crew reviews. Don't and your career that. is going to just go right down the toilet. <laughs> Ignore those guys. <laughs> Buy um, Apple stock. Is the oh, yeah. Buy Apple stock, yeah. Oh, um, no, I just tell them, I think probably my 18 year old self, I'd say like, you know, just relax, you know, oh. you know, I mean, don't, don't worry about that F and music appreciation. <laughs> you know, it, I actually switched to pass fail because I thought I was going to get an F. <laughs> and I mean, and then, you know, subsequently now for 35 years, I've been hiring kids, you know, obviously assistants out of college. And I've never once said to one of them, like, I don't know about this GPA, man. You got like, uh, you failed music appreciation. I would have hired you, but you're out the door. Tommy goes, it goes without saying you're a man of many talents, but which is your most useless one? Well, um, my, my most useless talent is, um, <laughs> I don't know, actually, it's not a talent. Um, uh, I'm not allowed to put stuff in the dryer because I just chuck everything in the dryer. And then invariably, my wife says, you didn't put that in the dryer, did you? <laughs> I say, oh, no, I didn't put that in the dryer. <laughs> it's all shrunk up like this. <laughs> When I thought of that question, I did not think of that answer that was coming from you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, um, adding on that, what's the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Uh, just the other day, I stabbed myself with a meat uh, thermometer. Where? Where? <laughs> Your thumb? <laughs> it, you know, it, it was like it had a case, right? So you had to pull it out of the case. Uh -huh. And it was hard to get out. And you know how like sometimes when you pull something out really hard, it snap, you snap back. And I jammed it like into my finger. <sighs> and then I like tweeted, as I do with all stupid things, I tweeted <laughs> like I had just stabbed myself with a meat thermometer and then some uh guy who follows me who is a former colonel a retired colonel said like uh, oh you sound like if that's how you're taking your temperature it sounds like you're a ranger material and i was like no i don't i really don't <laughs> i think i can assure you i am not ranger material 
Because I still have a Band-Aid on that I haven't been willing to rip off for a week and a half. Don't let it get infected. Then you got to go to the Jamaica Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> no, no thanks. Only for bullet wounds when I get a Bullet shot. wounds, yeah. That's right. They can do that's trauma. That's, that's what we used to say. All right, I'm up. Michael? If the coffee stains on your two good pair of work slacks were analyzed by psychiatrists, <laughs> what would be the consensus on your mental state upon your discovery of the errant spills? I think the, 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 the uh, consensus would be that I don't pay enough attention, which is absolutely 100% true. Okay. And the thing that strikes me is that now that I'm at home and I'm making my own coffee, I'm actually not spilling the coffee. I'm spilling the, the getting the coffee grounds into the coffee machine. I'm frequently like dropping that. <laughs> oh, God. <no. laughs> All right. It's maybe a tremor thrown in there. <laughs> All right. What movie is the most accurate portrayal of the life of a writer? Ooh. Ooh, well, I just watched It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. That That's a good one. A lot of writers I know. That's a great one. That's a good one. Um, uh, I, geez, I don't think any of them are. Well, I, I shouldn't say that because I, I'm sure the, like, you know, the ones that are serious, you know, literary writers. Are yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Max Perkins movie, whatever that was. The Genius, right? I never, I never actually saw that. Um uh, you know, I think the life of most of my writers is is very like ordinary. You know, the day to day is like I'm sure they're writing, but they're also going to CVS to you know pick up a prescription and yeah. So it's not like misery or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've never seen. I have never seen publishing accurately portrayed in the movies. Never. Mm. All right. It's always, it's always very, you know, cherry wood, you know, cabinets and, you know, bookcases. So, so J- James Conn in uh, Elf, that wasn't an accurate. Oh, my right? God. That was great. <laughs> the blank page. The blank page. <laughs> Send it. <laughs> I was like, that's my life. Yeah. All right. Number three. Mm-hmm. What passive verb should call for summary execution? What passive verb? Oh my God. I knew there would be like you know, grammar on this test. <laughs> um, uh, I think what Mike's really asking like, is what do you see on the page? And you're just like, you know, I know what, I know what, what I'm talking about. You're trying to save me by telling me what a passive verb is. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just think that's really what he's getting at. Um, I want to know what yeah, I have to cut I mean, out. You know, it, we always go back to like the was, am, you know, the, you know, just the blah, you know. Should have. You yeah. know, the snow was falling, you know, <laughs> uh, that, you know, that sort of thing. Um, what, what really, what, what the, the main thing, actually, the thing I sort of alluded to earlier, the thing that really gets us is what we call the info dump, like the character, you know. You know, the, the you know you spend all this time creating this setup, and you just have to feel like I got to get it out in the first two pages. So you just explain everything that's happening in the yeah. first two, and that's that's a disaster. Or you did all that research, and you want to make sure that every damn bit of it makes the page. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so good. Wikipedia. A lot of historical novelists. That's you spend a lot of time saying to them, like, okay, that's interesting, but you know, we don't really need to get into. You know, <laughs> that part 
That's it. I'm done with my question. Thomas, you have survived the entire show. We are, we are uh, duly impressed. We appreciate your time. We know you're busy. I, I think you guys are crazy, but you know, <laughs> I was I said to someone, you know, yes. they had Rob, the last couple of weeks they had Robert Craze, like CJ Box, like Jack Carr, and now they're gonna have me. <laughs> this is not what flattening the curve is supposed to be about, you know. No, you know, honestly, we we get we get into a lot of discussion about craft and and process yeah. in this and during our show, and, and it's fascinating to us to hear from the writer's perspective, but. We all follow you on Twitter. You, your, your, you know, your dialogue for uh, your, your coronavirus diary is is going to be a number one. Print, man. Bestseller once it's um, <laughs> we know our we know our readers. We know our yeah, listeners, rather our viewers, whatever the hell they're called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Friends, <laughs> mom and dad. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. Let's toast, Mr. Colgan, for surviving the show, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate Wonderful it. Wonderful to have you Thanks, on, Tom. I will see you soon, I hope. Yeah. Hey, Tom, it's David Ricciardi coming to you live from my front porch. I thought it would be appropriate since you've probably edited each one of my novels on yours. I just wanted to say thanks for all the guidance you've given me, all the great ideas, the imagination, and especially the friendship over the years. I don't know where I'd be without you, but it would be a much worse place. Thanks again. Hello from Alaska, Tom. Working with you on these Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan thrillers has been an honor and a privilege. Thanks for all your guidance along the way. Hi, this is Mark Graney in Memphis, Tennessee, author of, I don't even know, a lot of books, so many books, I can't even tell you. Uh, but I do know that my editor is Tom Colgan, and Tom has been my editor from the very, very beginning. I think he's the best editor in New York, principally because he published me when all the crappy editors told me to take a hike. I think his other authors would definitely agree that uh, his wisdom and his insight and his friendship is without peer. So Tom, my friend, hope to see you very, very soon. We'll get this COVID thing behind us and uh, be having beers in New York again very shortly hope you're doing well my name is don bentley author of without sanction but i'm not here today to talk about me i'm here to talk about tom colgan now tom colgan is editor extraordinaire but he's a pretty intimidating guy i mean he has edited everybody from tom clancy to janet ivanovich and and so the first time i was going to meet him face to face i was super nervous and so i called up my friend martin graney who has pretty much written every book in the bookstore right now and I said Mark you know Tom really well like what's it like and, and Mark said there's just one thing you need to know about Tom do not look him in the eye because because he sees it as, as like a sign of disrespect and he's and he's like a pit bull if you look him in the eye and so so the first time I met Tom I just I just kept I just kept ducking down because pit bull and needless to say it, it, it didn't go well but for some reason, he still bought a book or two from me, and it has been fantastic to work with him. So grateful, Tom, that, that I get to work with you. Mark Graney, that just wasn't right. Hi, my name is Hope. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>